it gathered in your name, you were there in their midst. We welcome you into this house tonight. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you, Holy Spirit, don't dwell in temples made by human hands. You dwell in the body of Christ. You dwell in each person standing in this room. The carpet I'm standing on is not the church. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. We thank you, Jesus. We come together to be built up in the truth, in the spirit, We thank you, you're forming your body and preparing us to meet Jesus. We are a bride in waiting. When you think about all the preparation that goes into a wedding, well, that's what we're here to do tonight. We're here to prepare. We're here to get excited. We're here to rejoice. We're here to prepare ourselves for the wedding feast of the Lamb. For that great day, we meet Christ. That's what we're here for tonight. Thank you, Jesus. We're expectant for you to move. We thank you for your word. It never returns voice. That that means it's absolutely going to do something in us tonight in every single one of us. Thank you right now, in this moment, Holy Spirit, you're preparing hearts to receive. We come against anything that will get in the way of your word. Achieving what you want it to achieve in us tonight. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the glory. What you've done, what you do tonight, and what you'll do in each one of us. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, was ju- I just looked at um, Tony's notes here. And the title says, Take Off Your Clothes. And I'm like, is that, is someone, is that a message for me? That's the, that's his, the message title. Um, how are you all? Good to see you all. Welcome to church. It's great to see you. I'm just seeing some faces we haven't seen. Welcome. Who's excited? Awesome. Well, just a few announcements before um, Pastor Tony comes up to preach the word. 
Uh, we're having baptisms this Wednesday, so a lot of people have, have been asking uh, when baptisms are going to be back on, so they're on this Wednesday night. Uh, if you want to get baptised and encourage you strongly, if you haven't been baptised, to get baptised, that's... Um, when Jesus commissioned the church, when he commissioned his disciples, he said, go and go bap- make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've taught. But the first thing was baptizing. So Mary's getting ready to baptize someone. Um, but I want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptised, um, yeah, come and see me after the service or see um, Rita or one of the, uh, Tony or Rabs, whoever. Or you can message us on um, Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Just let us know you want to get baptised and we'll add you to the list. We're going to meet here at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. And if you do want to get baptised, just make sure you bring some dark clothes to go in the water. There's nothing more awkward than someone coming to get baptised in white clothes. Um, and make sure you bring a towel and obviously a change of clothes as well. And uh, yeah, that's seven o'clock this Wednesday. And what else is happening? The kids have gone upstairs. Just a reminder, if you, if you do have your kids upstairs, please just go and um, collect them as soon as the service ends, just so we can relieve the team up there. And a reminder about uh, the House of Compassion in Brazil. So we sent uh, the money we raised over there and they got started on the house the next day. So we raised um, 30000 We've probably raised a bit more now, but we've sent 30000 over to Brazil for them to start the construction of that house. I know some of you will have seen this video, um, but a lot of you haven't, so we'll replay it now. But thanks again for all your, your generosity it's going to make um, such an incredible difference for this family and they're going to see that the gospel is true and that it's, it's not just good news um, and it's, it's not just a word but it's actually true for them and that um, salvation has come to that house and they're going to see the fruit of that salvation and that whole family is going to be restored in Jesus' name. We're going to spin that video and then um, Pastor Tony's going to come up and um and preach the word amen awesome She lives here with her three sons. Ela mora aqui com five sons. Five sons. Ela mora aqui com seus cinco filhos. She's a single mother. Ela é mãe solteira. With, uh, she lives with her father. Is that ela, right? Eu acho que ela mora até com o pai dela também. So we just want to show you guys. Então queremos mostrar a vocês. The conditions that they're living in. A condição que eles estão vivendo aqui. If you come through. Se vocês entrarem. So you basically have Basicamente, você tem a room probably the size of our cupboards. Um, um ambiente aqui bem pequeno. Um, one bed. 
você tem uma cama. And this is where they all sleep. E aonde é todos eles dormem. It's amazing. How someone can live like this in 2023. É, é incrível como alguém pode dormir, morar numa condição dessa em 2023. As soon as we got here, assim que nós chegamos aqui, we walked into this house. Nós entramos nessa casa. And our hearts are in pain. E os nossos corações estão doloridos. And agony. E agonia. To see these children. Por ver esses and, filhos. And this family. E essa família. Uh, suffering so much. Sofrendo tanto assim. I have six children at home. Eu tenho seis filhos na minha casa. I pictured myself. E eu imaginei a mim mesmo. I pictured myself with these children. Eu imaginei a mim mesmo com seis filhos. Like we have a responsibility. Sobre a responsabilidade tão grande que nós temos. To help them. De ajudá-los. Because whoever is God's family. Porque quem é a família de Deus. Is our family. É nossa família. Então. I ask every person here. E eu peço a todas as pessoas aqui. That sees this video. Que estão vendo esse vídeo. To open their hearts. Que abram os seus corações. And give to God's family. Que possa doar para a família de Deus. I can't tell you the pain that we feel to see this family living in this condition. For all our family in Australia, it costs 30,000 Australian to build them a new house, to give them good condition, to live in, so they don't have to suffer. We can answer their prayers by what God's given us in Australia. Open your hearts to a beautiful cause, to answer the cry of their heart. Thank you so much. This is Christian, Esse é o Christian, a newborn baby. Um bebê um, this is the condition e essa é a that they are living in this house. Que eles estão aqui nessa casa. We're not here to force anyone to give, Nós não aqui para but open your heart Mas abre o seu through the love of God pelo amor de Deus, to see para ver through the pain of her mom. Da dor dessa mãe. This is what they're going through here in Brazil. And to answer their prayer e para a is deles. the greatest joy which will become que vai se comfort and healing e cura and restoration e to this family. Open your hearts, Abre seus corações, brothers and sisters in Australia, irmãos e irmãs na Austrália, to answer their prayers para as because we all belong to God's family. Todos nós à de Deus. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a clap for that, right? You know, um, how many times I watch it, how many times we talk about it, it just takes me back to that minute that we walked out there and, and saw that family. And, you know, emotion is, is a big thing, eh? I could put sad song, make it, make it even longer and get more money out of you. <laughs> but it's an eternal perspective, a kingdom perspective. Because I could have showed you the whole street. I could have showed you houses half built. And that's not even the poorest of the poor. That was just 10, 15 minutes from our hotel. And I shared this last week, and for those who weren't here, we went, last time we went to Brazil, we went to places where they wanted to give us our kids, uh, give us their kids, just take them, I can't feed them. That's how bad it is there. 
So it's not to make us feel guilty because we've got stuff. It just makes us to say, well, why has God given you stuff? What has God put in your heart? And it's an eternal perspective, a heavenly perspective, and, and really flows on to my message. Can we put the... Put the take off, it wasn't take off your clothes, Dorian. Take off your grave clothes, Dorian. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. Dorian, take off your clothes. I want to talk to you tonight about the mystery of one day. The mystery of one day. It's interesting to know that it's been 2,000 years since Jesus uh, you know, died on the cross and rose again. If we read the scriptures and you read Peter and John and you read a lot of them, uh, more of the epistles, I should say, they're always really referring back to when Jesus comes back. You don't hear a lot of that now because it's been 2,000 years and, well, you know, is he really coming back? I had a guy tell me once, well, what's the point of Jesus coming back? I said, what's the point? You see, there was a, I, was, I was trying to remember the, 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 the song that we sing at Christmas time. I think it's the one that, says, that talks about Jesus being born as the king. I can't remember the song. Should have looked it up. But, um, but that song was written by a, a gentleman, a, a preacher, who, was, who wrote the song that we sing for Christmas, that, you know, Joy to the World and all these songs that we, you know, we sing. That was actually written by Jesus' second coming. It was actually written about him coming back to restore all things. Daniel, if you read the prophecies of Daniel, spoke about Jesus' second coming more than his first coming. And if you understand, it's pretty hard Bible prophecy and discerning. Jesus is coming back, people. It's pretty quiet here in this. Uh... See, he's coming back. He came back, he came the first time, and many scoffed at his coming the first time because they had a prophetic words that a Messiah would be born. And we know the story, and many didn't believe. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you learn the scripture and search the scripture to find eternal life, and it's found in me. And you don't recognize me. And I'm afraid that people are going down that same road again. See, if I, and I don't know how to say this to... <clears throat> If I don't have a heavenly perspective, I don't like to say heavenly because we think of dying and going to heaven. But if I don't have an eternal perspective, I can never be uh, beneficial on this earth. Because if I don't have an eternal perspective or a kingdom perspective, then I will live my life like I belong here. Now before you start saying, well, Tony, you know, we've got to eat, we've got to drink, we've got to work, we've got family. Yeah. God knows that. But if my whole life is based on what I'm doing here, for my satisfaction here, my comfort here, I don't have an eternal perspective. And when I lose my eternal perspective, then I start living for me here, and then I start living the way I want because there's no guarantee that eternity is there. See, eternity isn't that I die and go to heaven one day because of the blood of Jesus, because that's great, amen? And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you better. Because just as heaven is real, hell is just as real. I don't believe in that. A loving God won't send you to hell. That's true. You, just, you decide to go there. 
And I like that people want to, you know, excuse. We've got this picture of Jesus, that he's loving and kind and merciful. And he is. But Jesus addressed the enemy front on. He addressed sin front on. But when I read the scripture and I see Jesus, I see Jesus having compassion for the sinner and rebuking the religious. Now, the religious person is still a sinner and God loves them. For God so loved the world, everybody in the world. But tonight I want to talk to you about having a spirit of grace or having the spirit of a Pharisee. Having the clothes of righteousness or having the clothes of the grave. So bear with me. I'm going to try and unlock this the best I can. But I want to talk to you about this, the mystery of one day. So let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Peter, if you look at the whole, for the sake of time, you read it. He's talking to the, the people of his day and he's writing to them and saying... Um, you know what? You've got to be careful because your life, your living is, not, is contrary to the kingdom. And he goes on in verse 8, he says, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand to the Lord. Oh, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. The Lord isn't real, really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Stop right there. He's making an analogy. He's not saying a day is a thousand. Some people go and take that scripture and say creation was 7,000 years because a day is like a thousand to the Lord and a thousand is like a day and you have all these arguments. Let me tell you something. I wasn't there, so I don't know. Oh, I do know he's saying it's like. He's, he's sharing here that because God is outside of time, he, we're, we're limited with time as we know it. He's saying is the day is like a thousand. It's like a thousand, as if it's a thousand, or a thousand is like one day. And the Lord isn't slow in his promise. He's talking about his second coming. He's saying, God's not slow in coming back. Because before that, he says there's scoffers and, and, and murmurers saying, where is he? Where's this Jesus coming back? Now, if he was getting it then, which has got to be at least Peter 50, maybe the worst case, 60, 40, 50, 60 years after the resurrection, how much more today, 2,000 years later? And he, he's saying he's not slow. He's waiting and he's been patient for your sake. Why our sake? He says he does not want anyone to be destroyed. Because the Bible says that the, the coming of the Lord is the dreadful day. The day of the Lord is a dreadful day. But not for those who believe in him. For those who don't believe in him. You see, if the Lord came back, I think Rabbis, and honestly... I had a few scriptures in my notes on Wednesday and Rabbis brought them up and it was like, I was sitting at the back showing people, look what I just look at my notes. And Rabbis was preaching from a different perspective. But if the Lord was to come back tomorrow, I know so many loved ones will go to hell. And here, Peter's saying, it's for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in the fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Let me bring it back to Maryland's language. <laughs> Heaven and earth will pass away. It's gone. 
but my word will never pass away. Jesus is eternal. We live in the kingdom of his heart. We're in the kingdom of, of Jesus. See, this world is temporary. And he's saying that when that day comes, it's all over. Heaven and earth will pass away. Will come under judgment. But for those who are being saved, it's eternal life. Uh, eternal life meaning I'll be with him. Wherever he is, I want to be. I don't want to be in heaven if he's not there. What did David say? Where can I flee from your presence? You're in heaven and you're in hell. What do you mean in hell? What he's saying is you cannot get away from God's presence. See, Peter is sharing this. A day is like a thousand, a thousand is like a day. He's saying to him, in God's eyes, it's only been two days since Jesus died and went back to heaven. 2,000 years, two days. That's another prophetic picture I can talk about, but I don't want to go there because I'll get sidetracked. I get excited when I see the, the spiritual meanings <clears throat> and the hidden mysteries in the scripture because Jesus has put it in there for us to know. It's interesting. Let's go to Romans chapter 13. I want to lay a foundation. Then we're going to talk about Lazarus. Everyone knows who Lazarus is in the grave. Amen? Some people are going to be set free tonight. Amen? Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. I'm going to be honest with you. I had so much going on about this message. So I just put everything down. I said, no, Holy Spirit, you take over. So I'm going to go wherever he does. So if you hear it, I hear it first too. So where he's taking me because I'm going a totally different direction. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, you know, Lazarus died under two covenants. He died under the old covenant and got raised and then he died under the new covenant. There's a, there's, a, there's, there's a mystery just in that. But this is Romans 13, 11. He says, and do, you, and do this knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of your sleep for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Stop. Again, Romans, the book of Romans. Paul, the apostle, was writing this to, to the Roman church. If he's saying, wake up, people, because even now the time is near and it's even closer than when we first believed, how much more us people? I'm trying to bring a picture here that if your eternal perspective is not based on eternity and based on the kingdom, you're going to fail. It comes as a thief in the night. Now, the joke is, when I was in Brazil, we met some pastors from the States. We didn't know them. Um, and I introduced myself, and everyone knows me. I'm a very loving, kind person. And I said, hi, I'm, from, I'm Tony from Australia. And Dorian introduced himself. Rabs introduced himself. I said, yeah, we come from Australia. The sun rises first in Australia. So when Jesus comes back, we're going to see him first. <laughs> Straight away, she says to me, yeah, but he comes back as a thief in the night. I went, oh. <laughs> and these two couldn't stop laughing. They said, that's the first person ever to shut Tony up in three seconds. <laughs> Her name was Anna Sweet. And I started saying, you're very bitter. Yeah, so. But he comes back. We don't know. See, too many Christians, see, we need to understand that Christ is coming back. Now, whether I die now before he comes or whether he comes in my life, I'm going to have to give an account for my life. Here he's saying he comes back as a thief. See, the Bible says, be occupy. Jesus said, occupy till I come. Too many Christians are preoccupied about his coming. Too many Christians want to know when the Antichrist has come, when Jesus is coming back, and Jesus didn't say to worry about that. He said, the hour and the time is not for you or me to know at that time. I believe Jesus knows when he's coming back now. 
But on the earth, he says, I don't know the hour of the time, but you should know the signs of the times. And he's saying here that occupy till I come. Now, occupy doesn't mean hatch, batch, um, batten down the hatches and lock the doors and be scared. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The reason why the world's sick is because we shut our mouths. The reason why the world is taken over is because there's no more light because we're too scared to speak because we want to be politically correct or we don't want to offend or we don't want to you know, upset people. No, no, we need to preach the gospel of the, of the, of the kingdom. That's our job. He ever said it, the government should go into all the world and heal the sick? You know, there's no scripture in the Bible that says go and pray for the sick. Not one scripture in the whole Bible is to say go and pray for the sick. He says, go and heal the sick. Amen. Eternal perspective. Amen. See, he's not saying go and try and do something. No, no, he says, I've done the finished work. Go and manifest the kingdom. He's saying, go and tell them the bad news, that there's an antichrist coming and there's a... No, no, he says, go and tell them the good news. The gospel means good news. It actually means great news. What's the great news? You're dying and going to hell, my brother. All Canterbury supporters, all dying and going to hell. But there's some good news for you Bulldog supporters. Peter, and now, now Paul is saying the time is near. Next verse. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. They've let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light. Let us walk properly as the day, in the day, not re reviling and drunkenness, not lewdness and lust, not in strife or envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Talks about putting on and taking off. Talking about shutting down and opening doors. See, if you allow yourself, hear, me, hear my heart, you can fast. And we, we love to fast in this church. We love to pray in this church. We love to declare the word in this church. We like to pray in the spirit in this church. And you can do all that. But once you open the door for the flesh, he goes, oh my God, I've done all that. And look, my flesh still wants to go over here. Why? Don't make any provisions for the flesh. Flesh doesn't die. We declare it dead. We reckon it dead. The flesh doesn't get redeemed, I should say. But the flesh has to be crucified daily. Otherwise, if I feed it, it's going to take over. But here, he says that put on Christ. He says, we, even when we believe, now it's even closer that Jesus is coming back. How much more us people? 2,000 years since Christ. And we can turn around and say, well, when's he coming back? How is he coming back? See, how he does it, when he does it, and why he does it is not my concern. See, we can put on and get attached to things that we're trying to explain and work it out. I need to understand this before I believe it, yeah? When you were serving the devil, you didn't have to understand it. You just believed it. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit in us wants to show us, wants to teach us. I love what he says here. If you go back to verse something, there, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You are the light of the world. Christ in you is the light of the world. But I want to ask you something. Is your light shining in darkness or is the darkness taken over the light? Because I've shared this analogy before. If I open the curtain now, and I'm praying it's dark outside, but 
If I open the curtain now, what comes in? Does the darkness come in or does the light go out? Light goes out. So darkness is the absence of light. We need to put on the light, the armour of light. Isn't it interesting? An armour speaks of a warrior, an armour protection to get into a fight, into a battle. Too many of you don't know how to fight yet. Jesus loves me. I'm under grace. Yeah, there's a fight on. That's why so many people get taken out. We need to understand that the light of the gospel is our armour, putting on Christ so we don't allow the flesh to dictate, our emotions to dictate. See, some of us have to get some joy back in our life. Nothing irritates the devil more than the joy of the Lord. For the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So what does it mean? A day is like a thousand. So I want to share this with you. And I hope you get this. Lazarus dies. He's Jesus, one of Jesus' friends. We can read the scripture. He's always at Bethany. Mary, Martha, you know the story. Mary sat at his feet. Martha was cooking souvlaki or something. I don't know. <clears throat> and we have this debate with my wife and I. Well, you know, you go make your cup of tea. And you know that if you want me to be a Martha. So sweet, I'll be a Martha until I tell you to be a Mary. You know? And then he dies. But before we go there, I want to share something with you. The Lord spoke to my heart. He said that Jesus loved Lazarus so much he even wept. Even the Son of God wept. Let's just address that issue right now. But let's read Matthew for a second. Matthew 23 and verse 27. I'm speaking not because I've got a bit of a throat issue, all right? I think you're happy with that. Woe to you! Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was just trying to bring the drama citation. Sometimes we read this and we think Jesus is going, Woe to you, naughty boy. No, he's giving it to these blokes, all right? He's going, Woe to you! Scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you bunch of... Um, no, I'm adding to that. For you are like a whitewashed tomb, which indeed appears beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead man's bones and uncleanliness. Who knows what a whitewashed tomb is? Can we put the picture back up of the heading? It's a grave site. If you go to most Mediterranean countries and Middle Eastern countries... Some bury under the ground, a lot of them put them in tombs. Whitewashed. In other words, outside they look nice. They, they whitewash them. They, it's a type of paint, type of render, type of just a colour to make it look nice. And Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, and he rebukes the Pharisees, and one of them is, you are a bunch of whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside. Nice robes, you know the scripture, you stand in marketplaces, you, you look like the real deal. But inside, you're full of dead man's bones and uncleanliness. And Jesus is rebuking them hard. And he's calling them out. He calls them sons of the devil. You're of your father, the devil. But I want to share something with you. I shared this last week. It's not about what we do in this place or as a believer. A lot of the times we get under persecution of the good things we do. Not everyone's wrapped that we're fixing a house in Brazil. Last time we went, they, they told us, well, why don't you go to this country? Why don't you go to Lebanon? Why don't you go here? Why don't you go to Sydney? Why don't you go, why don't you go there if it's on your heart? <laughs> because you've got to understand something. The devil hates the light. Instead of saying, praise God, someone's getting a, a helping hand, what do we say? Well, why don't we do it this way? It can be done better. 
How did Judas get exposed? Can anyone tell me? How was Judas exposed? AJ, put your hand down. How did Judas get exposed? How? What exposed him? How how did we know he'd love money? Speak to me, people. Huh? She poured the, uh, the perfume. She came and poured the perfume. The Bible says it was a year's wage. The perfume was worth a year's wage. And she spent a year's wage on just wiping Jesus' feet. Something that was unlawful for her to touch. She should, one, she shouldn't be touching a man's feet, let alone a rabbi. She risked it all. And then he says, who pipes up? Who gets up and says, hey, 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 hey. That's a year's wage. We could be selling that to the poor. You know, goodness always shows darkness in someone else's heart. And they say, he didn't care about the poor. He was helping himself to the money purse. Imagine stealing off Jesus. How dumb can you get and breathe? And here the Pharisees, uh, Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs. Now, let's go to the story of Lazarus. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You know the story. Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick and dying. And Jesus doesn't come. And then he tells his disciple, our friend Lazarus is asleep. Oh, so he's not dead? No, he's dead. But you just said he's asleep. Yeah, but he'll wake up. He goes, so he's not dead. No, no, he's dead, but we're going to wake him up. (laughs) What's, What's he going on about? He waits four days before he gets there. Think about this. They want to kill him in Jerusalem. They've gone into to another city. Thomas, if you read the story, says, where are we going, Lord? He goes, we're going to go see our mate Lazarus in Bethany. He looks at each other and goes, all right, let's go and die with you. Because they're about to kill him. And he goes back to Bethany. He gets there and they come running to him. Lord, if you were here, you know the story. He goes, where have you put him? And then you know the story. He says, do you believe, Mary? I am the resurrection and the life. Even if you die, you shall live. Yeah, yeah. And your brother will be risen up on the last day. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. On that day, you will rise him up. He goes, no, no, now. See, the mystery of one day, the day is now to be risen up. And he's talking to them and he was grieved. The Bible says he was groaning in his spirit. And he wept. How much he loved his friend. If he really loved him that much, he would have came earlier. (laughs) Or he could have just sent the word. He didn't weep because he was brokenhearted that his friend had died. His spirit groaned because of their unbelief. His spirit groaned because I'm sitting with Mary and Martha and Lazarus all the time having dinner, and they still don't get it. You know, God, you know how the Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit because we still don't get it. We can grieve God. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Because we still don't get it. Or we choose to put on grave clothes instead of the, the armor of light. He goes on to the story and he says in verse, can we go jump down to verse, I think it's 45? No, we'll go to verse, let's go to verse 40, let's read this bit. I just want to show you something here. The devil hates resurrection power. I've been saved 21 years in September. It's been an amazing journey serving God for 21 years. And in my journey, I was 
had a lot of zeal without any knowledge. I got touched by the Holy Spirit and God moved mightily and I could tell you the whole story about what God did and how he purged me and how he you know, rebuked me, how he discipled me, how he disciplined me. But I want to share something with you. I have learned very quickly in 21 years that even the church don't like the light. Even Christians don't like the power of the Holy Spirit. Even, even believers don't like miracles. I learned very quickly. I was oblivious to all that. I just thought, is this what I've been missing out on? The power of the Holy Spirit? The kingdom of God? The manifestations of the kingdom? And then you, you talk around and you're doing all these things and you're sharing testimonies. and everyone goes, oh. I had one guy tell me, that doesn't happen anymore. Well, what doesn't happen anymore? Uh, there's no more miracles and you can't do any of that anymore. It's only as God's wills. I said, well, you should hang out with me for a while. So I might be that dumb, but it's happening in our, in our ministry every day. I learned very quickly that light, darkness does not like the light. And you know what? The church is under some sort of darkness, some sort of hypnotism at the moment because they're rejecting the power of the gospel. I'm not saying everybody gets healed. And I'm not saying everything happens all the time. What I am saying is I don't move from the word. He says, you all shall be healed. You're all healed. Oh, but I pray he died. And he says, you shall be healed. I don't sway by what I see. I'm not moved by what I see. I only move by what the word of God says. Sorry to tell you, but that's the gospel. Anyway, here he says, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took, him, they took away the stone from the place where he did. The man was lying, lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and look what he says here. Hallelujah. You've got to understand the finished work of the cross. You've got to understand the finished work of the cross. He's, still got no, he's got nothing else to do. It's a finished work. He says here, Father, I thank you that you have that you have heard me. Next verse. I know that you always hear me. But because of the people here standing outside, these non-believing Christians, <laughs> that they may believe that you sent me. He only prayed for their sake. Where's the power of the cross? He only prayed for our sake. Because we get religious. Look at the next verse. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And he tripped and he came fifth. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he, and when, and he came out. And he was wrapped hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Who wants to be let go tonight? Who wants to take off some grave clothes? I want to share what the, 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 the similarities between the Pharisees and this dead person here. See, he, earlier in this, in, in this scripture, they say, where have you laid him? When Jesus wept, where have you laid him? He says, behind the, in the grave, the whitewashed tomb. They looked good on the outside, full of dead man's bones on the inside. He says, roll the stone away. But they say to him, but Lord, it's been four days and he stinks. In other words, his body's decayed and he's rotting. There's no morgue there, no refrigeration there. Four days. What did Peter say 
A day is like a thousand, as of a thousand, and a thousand is like a day. He's been dead four days. A day is like a thousand, and a thousand is like a day. What did he call the Pharisees? Whitewashed tombs. That the, 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 the doctrine of the Pharisee or the leaven of the Pharisee. If you go back through the Pharisees, he says, he goes, if we were around, we wouldn't have killed the prophets. He says, so you admit that your, that your fathers killed the prophets. So anyone that God ever sent from the time of the time from Adam to the time of Jesus, they got killed in, the, in, in Jerusalem, in Israel, in the lineage. He's saying, you killed the prophets and stoned them. Stephen, that was his whole spill. He's saying, you're like these guys, because you admit that your forefathers, then the sin is upon you. You're like your forefathers. In other words, guys, 4,000 years between, you know, if you go over to a study, from the time of Adam to the time of Jesus was 4,000 years, four days. Jesus, Lazarus was exposing the spirit of the Pharisee, the spirit of the enemy, the spirit of legalism. What was he doing? Four days in the tomb speaks of 4,000 years. From the time of Adam to the time of Jesus, you had nothing but whitewashed tombs and dead man's bones. You've killed us and I've sent the prophets and I've sent the prophets and you killed the prophets and you killed the kings. And, you, and Jesus gets to the whole thing and then when he raised him from the dead, resurrection power came and he came from the dead. Amen. He was exposing these devils, the the Pharisees. You know why? Because it says here, he went to Bethany, which is only a few miles away from Jerusalem. I said, Lord, why did you put that? Because he was saying that the Pharisee spirit in the temple was only a couple of miles away. And here comes the kingdom of God to raise the dead. No one, listen to me, from the time of Adam to the time of Jesus, 4,000 years, four days. One day is like a thousand, a thousand like a day. Jesus came. And you know what? When he rose Lazarus from the dead, look what he says the next verse. Look at the verse. Let's go to verse 45. I want to show you this. And he says, Then many of the Jews had come to Mary and seen these things Jesus did and believed in him. Look what happens. Go. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Stop. All they were worried about was them owning and running the temple. They said, If this Jesus keeps going, these are guys that are handling the word of God. These guys are running the temple sacrifices and the Holy of Holies, and everything God established in the Old Covenant. This is holy, man. This is where God's presence was in the temple. And the same people were more upset about losing authority than people getting healed, and people getting rose from the dead. Are you have a Pharisee spirit at the moment? Are you rejecting the power of the Holy Spirit at the moment? Because you know what? You look at the Scriptures, you go through the whole epistles. Paul would say grace to you by the Lord Jesus Christ, every epistle. And they would give him honour. And then he starts saying, Corinthians, there's sins among you that haven't been among the Gentiles. But the only time he doesn't do that is the Galatian church. He says, grace and peace be with you. But I'm amazed that you've walked away from the faith so quickly. Because legalism got in. You know what that is? Pharisee spirit. Here it says, if this guy keeps going, everyone will believe in him. But hang on, if someone raised from the dead, wouldn't you take note? 
They were upset that he healed the guy with the withered hand on the Sabbath. Because the law says you can't work on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, is the Sabbath made for man or man for the Sabbath? You see, whatever good you do in your life in the kingdom, the enemy is going to come and try and shut you down. And you have to understand something here. It's not about you feeling good about doing good. See, the kingdom of God. See, see that house in Brazil. Those five kids, you didn't see, I showed the picture last week. All it takes is one of them to get a hold of the gospel. He could change the whole of Brazil. You know, the guy that took us to Brazil was in that situation, if not worse. And now he's revolutionized that whole region of Brazil. They've raised the dead. They're preaching the gospel. And he's going, I need more help. I need more help. Come, come. He gets a bunch of hobos from Parramatta. They go there to preach in Brazil. Listen to what I'm trying to say here. Look, go to the next verse. And the one named Caiaphas, now I've taught on this, Caiaphas was the high priest, but he was not a legitimate high priest, he was the puppet. He was not from the line of Aaron, but he still held that title, okay? He was only there to liaison with the Romans so they don't lose. They wanted peace in the region so they could still do their temple worship and that, but they didn't want to upset the Romans and, and Pontius Pilate. Look what he says. But him being the high priest that year said to them, you know nothing at all? Nor do you consider it is expedient for us that one man should die for all the people and not the whole nation should perish. Look at the next verse. Now this is, this he did not say on his own authority, but the high priest that he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. Caiaphas didn't know what he was saying. He's saying it's better for one to die than the Romans to come and wipe us all out. That's what he was saying. But in the prophetic sense, that's why devils can prophesy, people. Devils can prophesy truth. He says, he says but it's under the inspiration of God. Look what he says. It's expedient that one dies instead of the whole nation dies. And that's true. At the cross of Calvary, Jesus died for all the nations. Are you getting this? In other words, if you're having opposition in your walk, there's two things I want to share with you. Take off the grave clothes. Because you know what the grave clothes means? They would wrap it around the flesh that's decaying. You know your flesh is decaying right now as you sit here. And we wrap it up. We try to fix it up by you know, holding it together by wrapping ourselves with grave clothes. Maybe, maybe it's an emotional thing. Or maybe it's a religious thing. Or maybe you haven't got Thanksgiving in your heart. Or maybe you're playing with something or you, you refuse to repent of something. You're putting grave clothes on. And outside you look great, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. I love what Jesus says. He doesn't say, Whoa. He doesn't say, take Lazarus, you take off the grave clothes. He says, you unwrap him. You know what my job is? You know what your job is as the church? Is to take grave clothes off people. Not to condemn people. Not to make them look pretty on the outside and put them back in the grave. Our job as the church is to unwrap people so they can go freely. What's the gospel? Who the sun sets free? Is free indeed. Isn't it interesting that the Bible says he was bound from, from hands and feet, but then there was, a new, there was only a cloth around his head. Speaks of the mind. When Jesus, they said, the tomb, when he resurrected, they saw it folded, and they saw the cloth that goes around his head on there. See, if we're wrapping ourselves with the things of the flesh, the things of this world, Guess what we're doing? We're putting grave clothes on. And every time you put a grave clothes on, you block the spirit moving. 
and you look great on the outside, but Jesus says you're full of dead man's bones. We're not that type of people, amen? Come on, somebody. We're not type of people. See, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. You see, if you can't see the good in someone, go and find something or go pray for them because all you're doing is putting more clothes on. You put it on them and you put it on yourself. He says, you unwrap him, unbind him. See, if I'm not preaching the true gospel, I'm not taking off the grave clothes. What? I was blown away when the Lord showed me this. Four days represents 4,000 years. For 4,000 years, you know what the Bible... Jesus walks into his temple after nearly 4,000... It was 3,900. All right, if you want to get technical, you theologians. But anyway, it was 4,000 years, four days. Jesus comes to his temple. He looks around and he, then he says... And he tips all the money changes. And he says, my house, my father's house is a house of a prayer. Now listen, for all the nations. But you've turned it into a den of thieves. It wasn't just a house of prayer for the Jews, for the Pharisees, for the Sadducees. It was for all the nations. You turned it into a den of thieves. Jesus looks back out of eternity and sees Every year that God sent someone, they killed them. They wiped them out. They tried. Why? The devil does not like the light. He only likes darkness. Pharisees were a type and shadow of the kingdom of darkness. Whether you like it or not. Religion robs the power of God. But grace empowers you to get over the darkness. So we've got this grace thing message that's going around saying, Well, I'm forgiven. Praise God. The blood of Jesus gets me to heaven. Praise God. You can't be saved through works, only through faith. Praise God. But that's where we started. Then I'm going to live my life like a devil and say, but I'm under grace. No, no, you're going to hell. I'm sorry. Because you look, the whole epistle is about living right, character. It's not about legalism. See, the problem is we go, oh, this guy's going too far. Let's put some laws in. And we bring legalism in. Uh, and we put rules in. No, no, no. It's about the grace of God, fully understood, empowers me over the devil. See, if I have true grace, I understand the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not only a, f- a free gift that I go to heaven because of the blood, that the blood is powerful to get me over my sin. If I am co-laboring with him. See, I'm not just talking to you about my birth. I can tell you my testimony, how I got saved. That's a great story. But if I'm 21 years later, only talking about my testimony, how I got saved, and I haven't grown any further, what am I doing? I'm stuck here. But I don't want to tell you about that. Because my testimony is good, but the testimony of Jesus is greater. See, the grave clothes, every time you tell someone your story, what you've been through, you're putting another wrap on. Every time you, this guy heard me, you don't know where I've been through, you put another bit of grave clothes on. But it's time to lose your story for his story. You know what I say to people all the time? Come for counselling or, or mentorship or just people are broken and we sit with them and we... But after a while, I, go, I don't seem to be able to get through my problems or my issues. Yet. And I say, you know why, bro? Because you're still talking about your problem and your issue. See, when you start to talk about Jesus and what he did at the cross, I know you're getting healed. See, because when he starts focusing off you and on him, and I start telling you about what Jesus has done. See, some of you can't tell you what Jesus has done for you. You're still trying to find him. 
You know what you're doing? You're doing a Mary and a Martha saying, yeah, yeah, one day I'll be right. See, one day I'll have resurrection life. And I know you can do all things, but yeah, yeah on that day. He goes, no, the, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day resurrection life happens. Are you getting this? See, the Pharisees wanted to keep themselves in Jerusalem. They wanted to make sure the Romans don't take anything off them. And, and think about this for a second. If you see a miracle like that, and someone comes and says, he just raised Lazarus from the dead. You know what they were trying to do next? Kill Lazarus. That's an evil spirit right there. You know, sometimes you have a testimony in your heart. Like uh, God's done something in your life. And the devil's trying to kill that testimony. And sometimes we let him kill it because we don't understand who we are in Christ. But you're a new creation in Christ. See, it's, it's like this. The day you gave your life to Jesus, you were Lazarus. You died under that covenant. But then resurrection power came. Now you're born of his spirit. Now you're no longer under that dead covenant. You no longer have grave clothes on. But as long as you want to stay in the grave, God can't help you. Because he says, Lazarus, you come forth. See, he had resurrection power. If he didn't say Lazarus, they all would have came out. Everybody in the tomb would have came out. He says, Lazarus, you come forth. You know, I, I often say this sometimes. I say that, all right, Lord, you said that you're going to do this in my life. And I read what the word says. But it doesn't seem that my life doesn't marry up with what the word says. See, my life, the picture of my life. See, so when I got saved, God spoke to my heart. There's only, I can tell you God spoke to me many times in my life, but not audible now. But I know that there's a seed that's been planted in my heart. I can say there's three or four major times that it was God that, that planted that seed. And I look at my life and I say, hang on, but what you put in me here doesn't marry up where I am today. I said, Lord, what's the go? And you know what the Lord said to me? He goes, because you made a picture of what you was going to look like. See, we make pictures on our mind. We bring imaginations that how it's going to look like. How God should do it for me. But when I understand that, hang on, he gave me a seed and placed it inside me. But like in every seed has to die. It has to be watered. It has to grow like a tree. Faith grows like a tree. And I can honestly tell you, he's been faithful in everything he's ever said. But I've only fulfilled 1% of what has been spoken to me. So now I don't look at, Lord, I'm not where I want to be. Like, Lord, where are we going today? Where's the journey? Because every day is a new step to your destiny. See, see I, mean, I want to know how Lazarus came forth. <laughs> like, how did he come forth? Did he do the moonwalk? <laughs> I, I don't know. He was wrapped up, hand and foot. Did he just jump out? I, I don't know. I don't know, your mind, my mind works like I'm a widow, all right? So I want to know how he came out. But he came out. Came out he didn't come out dancing. See, my mind says, I want to know how he came out. But the scripture says he just came. See, God says, come forth. Let your spirit come forth. I don't know why. See, what are you feeding? You can feed the Pharisee spirit. You can feed the spirit of Christ that lives in you. Amen? I want to read a story about that lady you prayed for. Yeah, that's a good one. When, I, when the Lord started dealing with, dealing with me about this message, it was before we went overseas. And whenever I feel like God's dropping something, I'll just record it in my phone or write it down. 
And I thought, well, this is probably, must be next week's message. But I was sitting here one day on a Wednesday night, Rabs was preaching, and uh, my wife was outside with a lady, and I think it was someone's mum was outside. Was it Becky's mum? Huh? Don't say their names. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but anyway, I went outside. The lady was doing a tough outside. She was going through something. I went out to pray for her. I was praying for her, and obviously the story goes, she's telling me about her life, and people had passed away in her life. They were very close to her. And the Holy Spirit dropped it in my spirit and says, she's got grave clothes on. And I thought that message was for that Sunday. And I said, can I share this with you? All day at work, I was getting this word from the Lord and I wrote it down and I was just, you know. And I said, you've got to get the grave clothes off. You're mourning the death of deaths. And you're sitting there putting grave clothes on. And you're alive, but you're dead. So take the grave clothes off. I said, it's actually a sin to live like that. She goes, oh my God, okay. it's a sin to stay in misery when God set you free. You've got children to raise, you've got family. He goes, and she was living, because she had someone who had passed away the same way that this person passed away. And I said, you know what? It's actually an offense to God because you're living in misery, living with grave clothes on, and God calls you forth. And some of us live like that. The first chance we have is to put another wrap on instead of going to Him in prayer. What did I say earlier? Judah means praise. Jesus is from the tribe of? He was born in Bethlehem, which is inside Judah. Judah means praise. Jesus was born in the land of? Praise him. Praise him. When Joseph was thrown in the pit, remember Joseph and his brothers? They threw him in the pit. They wanted to kill him. They said, no, let's not kill him. Who, who yelled out? No, no, let's not kill him. Who was it? Which brother? Judah. When praise shouts out, he gets you out of the pit. See, when we understand how to praise him, see, sometimes it doesn't, you cannot praise him and lift your hands up and thank him for something that's miserable, that's broken, that's busted. See, there was no praising. If Jesus said to Mary, praise him, I'm the resurrection and the life. And Jesus wept, not because he was sad for his friend dead, he wept because of their unbelief. So I spent all this time with you. We're going to be a people that believes what the word of God says, amen. We're going to take grave clothes off. Unwrap yourself. If you can't do it, get next to someone who's full of faith and full of mercy and full of love and let him unwrap you. But God wants you strong. Because the minute you come to the the conclusion and the revelation that you're free, the enemy wants to come and take that freedom off you. But he has no victory over you. Jesus Jesus set us free, amen? But you've got to start believing what the word says. See, if you don't read the word, you can't put on Christ. People say, oh, put on the helmet of salvation and the belt of truth. And we do all these things and it's rubbish because it's just a, a, a Sunday school definition. It's putting on Christ. He's our salvation. He's my righteousness. He's my truth. He's my peace. He's my faith. He's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Put on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Get the joy of the Lord back into you. We've won the victory. He's coming back. I don't have to know how or when or who, but I'm going to occupy this world till I come. Every person that comes near me is going to hear the word of the gospel. One way or another. I'm not saying about preaching to everyone. I'm saying, show them the love of Jesus in you. Get off their grave clothes. If you claim and go by his name, I'm not saying we don't have problems. Everyone has issues and situations. But if you go by his name, then look like him. Act like him. Emanate him. So people can see you. I want what you have. 
I know you go through issues, but you do it differently than us. Let the Holy Spirit come upon you. Let glow in Him. Religion wants to rob you of that power. And we have become religious sometimes because that's not how we did it before. No, no, no. God's doing a new thing. Might be new to you, but it's not new to Him. Remember what I said last week about the, the travelator? Remember that? I was coming back from, and I said, I saw the travelator, and I'm walking on the travelator, and it took me further than the guy walking next to me. Walking the same speed, yeah, I'll go further. Why? Because God didn't move because I went to Brazil. I moved in God. So if any man be in Christ, I don't tell God what to do. He tells me what to do, but I just walk within him. And he trusts us. He gets us to, pl- to the place we want to be. But you want to remain in the grave clothes? You want to go back to the old, this guy hurt me, that person hurt me, this guy ripped me, this guy. I'll give you a list of my life. I'll give you a list. But I don't live there anymore. Because if I live there, I've denied the cross. But Tony died. Whatever that person did to me, died that day. Because Christ lives in me, the hope of glory. Amen? Stand. I want to encourage you. This gospel, this word of God is real. I'll share this next week, I think, but you know the Bible says that the Word of God is, is sharper than a two, double-edged sword? Sharper. A sword, for those who love the medieval, <laughs> chops, carves up. But a double-edged sword is like a surgeon's knife, cuts finely. He says the Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword, cutting through the bone, the flesh and the bone, the spirit, the bone, the marrow, and the spirit and the soul. Got it wrong. But a sword chops and, and guts things and it's, it's messy. But a surgeon's knife is very sharp. It cuts precisely. Pastor Bronk Flint from America was sharing on a Zoom meeting here. He brought that up and it hit my spirit. Wow, we've looked at the sword. We're going to chop things up. But you know what God says? He cuts beautifully. See, religion wants to chop you up. Yeah, you're a sinner and chop you here and do this and get that. But you know what the Bible says the Holy Spirit does? He cuts takes that bit out if you repent and then it heals there's no scar tissue imagine that in the natural when the Lord one day was speaking to me when I was on a job site I was just hosing the driveway at this job site, I was finished working and out of the blue the Lord says the body was designed to heal itself just out of the blue and my wife's a nurse I said Janet, you know when you cut yourself the first thing the body wants to do is clot it wants the clot to start bring healing most people they get sick because the immune system's down true? Because the body's designed to automatically, when something goes wrong, it goes into, you know, when you get sick and you get your, you know, glands are up, oh yeah, your body's fighting a fever. What's happening? It's fighting against what shouldn't be there. And I started thinking of that, meditating on that, and I spoke to my wife about it, and then the Lord spoke to me, he says, as a natural body wants to heal itself, so the body of Christ should heal each other. But we chop each other up with a sword. But when we should be the word of God that cuts precisely and pulls out what's not meant to be there. Double-edged sword just cuts beautifully. And I want to encourage you. Don't be slack. The Bible says, some translation says, God is not slack. You might think, why did he go to the second coming? Because if we don't understand and believe he's coming back, we'll live our life like he's not returning. The world has gone crazy out there. 
because there's no consequence. There's nothing. This is how I want to live my life. But we're not of the world. We're in it, but not of it. And God will cut away those things of the flesh. Some of us need to cut away the bandages that we're holding, that wound that we're holding. See, we bandage it, a broken heart, and God wants to heal it. And the more, while you keep bandaging it, you keep irritating it. See, the devil can't get to you unless he's got an incision. He has to at least get an opening, a crack. And we need to understand, listen, listen to me. When Jesus spoke those words to Mary, Mother, he goes, I am the resurrection and the life. I don't just resurrect. I am resurrection. I'm the one that brings life. You know why the devil hates us so much? Because he can't bring life. Devil is not, he's a created being. He cannot create. We've given him so much credit for things that is all in our flesh. Do I, am, I again, am I saying that the devil doesn't? I've been casting out demons all my life. But sometimes we're trying to cast out the flesh and it's the spirit. Sometimes we're trying to cast out a demon and it's the flesh. But it's your closeness with God that transforms you into the image of his dear son. It's the light of the gospel inside you. And I'll finish with this. The word of God rightly divided. Paul, Paul talks to Timothy, he says, the word of God rightly divided. You have to rightly divide the word of God. The Ark of the Covenant, when they carried it, it was four Levites. The pole went through four rings, gold rings. Gold represents divinity. The timber represents the cross or represents man. The presence of God was never meant to be carried by programs, by titles, by mules. They had it on a mule and it fell off. They tried to stop it and they died because the gospel, the God's presence was carried on the shoulders of men. The four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, speaks of rightly divided. We carry the, so we have to be rightly divided in our hearts. We have to stand firm in his presence. See, his presence isn't to make you feel goosebumps. In his presence, you change. If you get into his presence, you'll never be the same. If you've got a problem in his presence, he'll give you the solution to that problem. Quite in your soul. The soul is not allowed to talk. Paul, David said, my soul, she boasts. No, she, not allowed to speak. Doesn't allow her to speak. But my spirit, he, not talking about male or female. He's talking about the flesh realm to the spirit realm. He, the Holy Spirit, needs to speak. If my spirit bears witness with his spirit, that we are children of God. Not my emotions. If I show you my issues and my problems, you'll think, oh man. But hey, I don't go to God with my issues and my problems. I go to God for him. I tell my problems about God. I don't tell my God about my problems. Wrap, take off the grave clothes. Stop trying to look for, for deliverance somewhere else. It's within you. And Jesus is trying to unwrap his church so she could shine. So we can be a light to this dying world. There's a harvest coming. But can he trust us? That's the, getting people in here is easy for me. But can he trust us with the people that come in here? Can he, can, he, can, he, can he say, I'll send them to that place so they can be healed? Can they be delivered? That, that, can I send them to that place so I can take them to their destiny? Because when he said to Nazareth, come forth, guess what he said? Now unwrap him. Well, our job is to unwrap the grave clothes off people. And if you don't walk in your God-given right as a, as a Christian, as a believer, as a son and a daughter, 
the grave clothes stay on. You'll be with someone 24 hours, seven day away, and we've still got grave clothes. But Jesus is ready to take this world back. Amen? He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Live, for, live in the eternal perspective, not the earthly perspective. This world has nothing to offer. I'm telling you now. If all you live for is this world, you're in trouble. Because you live for Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you. Day is like a thousand and a thousand is like a day. You are not slow for your promises to come to pass, but you're patient and long-suffering. Father, I thank you for tonight that we can unravel the grave clothes. That we can awaken while we're still being asleep. Awaken our spirit man. Father, I thank you that you haven't stopped speaking to us. But we can understand the kingdom perspective. It's not always about me. It's about you. The kingdom of God is not about food or drink. It's about righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, have your way with us tonight. I thank you for those who are here online that would just bow their knee to the Lordship of Jesus. Just bow your knee. Just, just allow Him to unravel you. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for the finished work of the cross. We thank you for the work you started in us. You will complete. And Father, I thank you for tonight that as we grow in the, in the knowledge of you, if there's any hypocrisy, any pharisaical spirit that would hinder us, any religious demons that would come and attack us, we bind you in the name of Jesus and we loosen you because we walk as children of light. We walk as our Father. We magnify you, Lord. How do you magnify someone who's already magnified? We magnify you in us, Father, that we see you bigger than we've ever seen you before. And I thank you for that, Father. And if you haven't given your life to Christ, die today. Die to you so he may live. The Bible says, repent of your sins. Confess him that as your Lord and Saviour. See, a prayer does not save you. You bowing your heart in repentance saves you. And we put our faith in the finished work of the cross. Nothing's changed for 2,000 years. He says, I come quickly. He came in the person of Jesus. He came in the person of the Holy Spirit and He's coming back to restore all things. Are you ready, are you ready tonight to make a commitment to serve Him and Him only? Father, I thank you for grave clothes coming off now, that they may go free. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. And I give you all the glory, Father. I thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. And we give you all the glory, Father. We ask you for your kingdom to manifest tonight. As they leave here and go into their workplaces, into their families, that they manifest the kingdom. And I give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.
Hallelujah. The floor's open if you want prayer. But I want you to take this word home. Meditate on this. Take off those grave clothes. Amen. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It's all about garments. Amen. And we love you. We'll see you Wednesday. Baptisms. Um, praise God. All good? Amen.